Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 354th show is John Keith, former production director for Harpo Productions, and we're going to be talking about Inside the Oprah Culture. Our history buffs are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. And Ed, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Jay. In his day, Johnny Carson was the king of late night, and one of his legacies was that he was very uh, generous in terms of allowing up-and-coming young comics to have a chance to do a sketch on his show, do their bit, um, with the idea that this gave them some exposure. And this, if this was a springboard to launch their careers, fine. Uh, they, at least he gave them a chance. Was, was a similar type of thing uh, part of the Oprah culture with regard to all the other folks that you mentioned earlier in the show? Yeah, uh, well, when you when you look at Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, uh, Gene Chasky, Marianne Williamson, Bob Green, Nate Berkus, Rachel Ray, um, these are all people that were launched uh, by their relationship with Oprah Winfrey and her television show. So at least for you know major talent like that, yes. Uh, but if you were lucky enough to have worked. For the Oprah Winfrey Show, or were able to put Harpo Productions as a previous employer, you were going to get people's attention, and they were going they were going to be very interested in uh, considering you as a future employee. Okay, Terry. Uh, yes, John. I noticed, um, John, that there was probably an overlap of at least five years between the radio show and her television program. Um, the last TV episode ended in 2011. And we said that the talk radio sh- station ended in about 2014. So my curiosity is, why do you think her radio show was a natural extension or partnership to her current TV show? Yeah, what we that's a good question, Terry. What we had uh, after about uh, six years of local origination, we went into the archives and we started repurposing uh, material that had been previously recorded. And so that was basically what the, the day would turn out to be. So where before we had eight to 10 hours of original daily programming that we would work with for 24 hours, now we have zero original programming. We're just going to recycle what we did, you know, uh, last year, two years, three years ago. Um, and I think basically, too, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, XM Satellite Radio um, was giving uh, Oprah Winfrey's company money uh, to be able to use her image and her brand, um, and that that well ran dry, especially after Sirius bought XM. That was my understanding, anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm curious about the the shows themselves and and how that process um, worked. Are there any is anybody doing what you guys were doing with that stretch where you were producing all of these um, sort of lives, the wrong word, but all of this original uh, talk radio um, material? Is there anybody out there that you're aware of who's, who's doing similar things or was that sort of this was really cool and now we've moved on to something else? This was not a, this was not a cheap 
proposition. There was an awful lot of money that was given to the hosts of these programs, not to mention the salaries of the people and the support staff. Um, and so, as I mentioned Terry's question, they ran out of that money. Uh, I don't know that they were able to make that back through sales and commercials. Uh, when I say they, I mean satellite radio, because we weren't, you know, we, we had no salespeople. We were not selling commercials. Now, whether or not they're doing that anymore today or not, I don't know. You listen to satellite radio, you'll hear a good half dozen or more local, locally originated formats outside of, you know, the the monster uh, individual hosts that they have. Uh, I don't know that they're structured the way we were uh, because we had bona fide stars on our air for eight hours a day. And um, I'm not able to tell you what the listenership was because they didn't divulge that information. Nobody knew. Well, XM knew, but we didn't know. So I don't know what the listenership level was like. And whether anybody is doing that today, I haven't heard it. Uh, I am a satellite radio subscriber. I have been ever since it came on. Uh, and no, I have, I don't, I don't hear people with a live your best life sort of mission statement doing anything like that, uh, these days. Okay. Well, a question I'd like to ask is, of course, uh, Jay and I and, and the people in this room, we've been doing our show for over 10 years and it's once a week, two shows, mellow, easy going. We've got a great producer. Don't tell Dave that, but he's, he's great. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing it up is though, you said you had, there was a lot of different machines trying to put out eight hours of radio in a day. Um, right. I, hearing that, I just somehow think of this image of like the stock market floor, where you're, you know, you're, you've got your People stuff are screaming and you're yelling and tickets and pushing, are flying, yeah, and, and, right? Yeah. And because you know, we sincerely have to make Miss Winfrey happy. Was and I'm sure there's levels that were times were more casual, more intense. Uh, what was the makeup of the? I mean, you know, I know you were working with different people, uh, different stars. Uh, I mean, was it more casual than you guess, or or were there times of intensity? I'm just, how would you describe that? Well, I was not one of the producers that had to work directly with these hosts to take whatever was going around in their heads, whatever was banging up around in there, to put it on the air and to be able to make sense out of it, much like you guys are doing with your show now. I did not have to make a radio star out of Dr. Oz. I did not have to make a radio star out of Gene Chatsky or any of the others. And I'm thankful because I don't know they could have done it. So it was a very talented group of people that were doing that. And uh, they were very good at what they were doing, and they were given free reign within certain constrictions. They were given free reign to do that. And um, I was in awe of people with skills like that. I didn't have them, but they did, and they did a great job of it. Well, it's ironic. Dave's been trying to make us stars for years, and it's just not yeah. really. <laughs> so, you, can, you, can, you can only go so far with what you got, John. That's right. That's right. Um, Ed, do you have a question? Okay. Um, I, I guess I'm interested in, so, so things kind of ended. How did it feel for you to be recycling information rather than producing information? Because that strikes me as after you've had this wonderful creative run um you know it, it had to have felt a little anticlimactic to be going back and just sort of recycling 
um, shows. And I'm and I'm also curious, sort of a two part question. Then, so what was the process that went into recycling a show? Did you just re retape the int- the intros and put new days or times and and just run it as as is? Did you cut and splice shows together? So so sort of both of those questions. That's a very good question. Um, I was at the tail end of my career because I was well into my 60s when that began. Um, And it was a little disheartening to see how strong things were going there at the beginning and then just slowly fizzle out towards the end. I felt particularly bad for the younger folks, uh, you know, in their 20s and 30s. um, That, you know, they were given a little bit of an exit package as they were on their way out the door. Um, but they also felt, man, this was the job of a lifetime. Well, it was. It was. Um, and I basically turned into an audio babysitter when we were down to zero local origination. And you hit the nail right on the head. I was just doing new intros and new promos for old programming. Um, and where I would have been very active through the course of a seven or eight hour day, uh, now I might have a, a 45 minute day, <laughs> even right. though I was there for the better part of six or seven or eight hours because I had to be available. It was not, it was not a good feeling. I, I have been, I have been on the tail end of a couple of, of radio stations through my career that ended. And, uh, that to me was the most, uh, it, I'm not going to say devastating, but it was just a big disappointment to see that end like that. Okay. We would like to thank our guest for the 354th show, John Keith, uh, who talked to us about Inside the Oprah Culture. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. You can listen to ROIs. It's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. ROI was recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.